A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I'm your host yet again, Liam. Um, How are you doing, Rich? I know that you love this episode. Yeah. Um, So, Rich, how are we doing? Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, this is certainly my favourite segment we do all year. We're going to, over the next five weeks, be breaking down the rookie draft position by position, um, starting with the quarterbacks today. So, uh, yeah, certainly a, a series I love and I'm very excited to to talk through these quarterbacks with uh, with our very own quarterback guru. Speaking of the quarterback guru, Rich, let's bring him in. It's Kenny, your brother. Um, you have a podcast every year. Um, with him on so I was lucky enough last year to meet him have him on the pod and really enjoyed the really enjoyed the um, the episode last year so let's see if this year can live up to the hype so Kenny how are you doing buddy I'm good thanks for having me on I've never been called a guru before I don't think so I I quite like that (laughs) so um, Ken so at the start of every um, pod that we do with a guest we ask a couple of questions uh, I'm pretty sure we brought this in last year after we had you on. So for the listeners that either don't know you or didn't get to hear last year, how long have you been playing fantasy football? Uh, well, this is slightly depressing, but um, I, it's <laughs> the first the first year I played was uh, 2003 season. Uh, I was on a Yahoo.com public league uh, and uh, I drafted while at work at the kitchen studio, which is a kitchen company that has been probably out of business for about 15 years now. <laughs> and the fact that I drafted at work probably tells you uh, why they went out of business. So, yeah. Was the team any good, though? Did you win? Um, do you know what? I've, I've, since you've asked it, I've been racking my brain trying to think about it. I think I had priest home, so I think I did all right that year, but I, I can't really remember. I I think, uh, yeah, I think middle of the table kind of mediocrity, to be honest. So, yeah. If it was the if it was a Yahoo public league, it probably wasn't any good anyway, was it? Let's face it, probably not. No. Yeah. Uh, right, let's stop bashing on a uh, Yahoo public leagues and let's dive straight into it. So, um, the first quarterback that we're going to look into is the rookie Malik Willis coming out of College Liberty. Um, Kenny, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on a uh, Malik Willis because he seems like a very um, polarizing figure right now as uh, where he's going to go in the in the draft, where, or more more accurately, where he's going to go in the first round by the looks of it. 
Um, yeah. What do you have for Millie Willis? Yeah, I think polarising is, is the key word there. I think, uh, to me, he's a bit like a Rorschach test in that I think you can see out of him what you want to see. So I think there's obvious strengths and there's obvious weaknesses. And I think it's very much that, you know, it depends on, on what you're looking for as to what you're focusing on. So, I mean, strengths, first thing that strikes you is, is mobility and uh, escapability. You know, I think he's... I've seen some places people saying that he'll be the the second best running quarterback in the league. I, I think he's not possibly as quick as that. I think I, I don't know if he's as close to Lamar as as maybe some people do, but I think that's of his strength. The other thing that stood out to me is, I mean, if you watch the old Miss tape, he is tough. I mean, he got beaten in that game and still kept coming back and got better as the game went on. So I think that's a, a, a the attribute that will bode well for him in the pros. Um, really, really good arm strength. I mean, can really zip it on a, you know, on those uh, deep comebacks and things like that. Um, and also really good. He's able to generate a lot of good arm power off off um, off, off platform throws or from a muddy pocket. So again, that's a, a skill and a trait that translates really well to the pros. Um, throws a decent uh, deep ball and I thought in the senior bowl practices I watched some of the footage from that and it seemed to me like he showed a bit more accuracy um, on some of those intermediate throws than maybe you'd seen in um, some of the game film so those are kind of all the positives Um, areas of development I think the height going forward is a possible question mark Um, I think when he misses he tends to miss high which is always uh, something that I think is worrying because obviously that can lend to a lot of picks. Um, And I think at times, whilst the arm strength is an obvious um, strength, I think he at times can be overconfident in his arm and he can take on a lot of throws that I think, especially, you know, going across the field, it's now obviously in college, you have a much wider side of the field, but at times you can see him really, you know, almost um, overextending himself and trying throws that I think in the, pros will lead to a lot of pick sixes so I think that would be a trait that if anyone's taken it would, would uh, they would need to get out of him fairly quickly. Rich have you got anything to add there I think Kenny <laughs> covered everything that I possibly could have thought of. Yeah no I think Kenny, Kenny covered him perfectly from a prospect's perspective I think if you were to develop a quarterback in a lab and just look at physical traits I think outside of maybe him being four or five inches taller, I'm not sure you'd go much different from Malik Willis. He is a he's a big man, um, and I mean the Super Bowl practice at uh, the Super the Super Bowl practice. What I'm talking about the Senior Bowl practice. They measure they do the power of throw test, um, which Josh Allen held the record for, and I think I saw that he threw like seven miles an hour faster than Josh Allen's record at like seventy something miles an hour which is just mind-blowing when you think how strong Josh Allen's arm is and you're saying that his is even stronger than that. Um, I think, you know, for me, I'm really, really excited about Malik Willis. I think, yes, there are some definite concerns. I think the accuracy is potentially an issue. You know, we're talking about sort of 63% um, completion percentage in his final year. But if you're telling me that I've got an elite rushing quarterback, which I think is his flaw, I think if you can throw him in the, you know, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen tier of running quarterback immediately, you know, that from a fantasy perspective, that's probably given me, what, 10 points a game on average before he's even attempted a, a pass. Um, if you can then throw in the fact that he's got this otherworldly arm talent, I'm really, really excited. I think it is absolutely critical that he lands in the right situation. I think he's probably not going to be able to start day one. And I think I'd almost liken him a bit to a Trey Lance coming out where he's got all those elite tools. And if you can put him in the right situation, the right offensive mind with some weapons around him in a competent offensive line, I'd be so excited about his potential fantasy upside. I think it, it, you know, he's the guy that you're looking at saying, if all goes well, he could easily be a top five dynasty asset in a Superflex league. I wouldn't be gobsmacked if in two years' time 
we're talking about Malik Willis as a a top half of the first round startup pick. I'm not saying that's the most likely outcome, but I think that's definitely within his range of outcomes. Um, yes, the the concern I have is is that accuracy. You know, obviously Josh Allen went through a fairly ridiculous um, improvement on the accuracy perspective, and, and basically no other quarterback in the history of the NFL has ever done that. Um, so projecting that onto Malik Willis is is perhaps hyperbole, but I th- I think that I I don't think he's ever going to get to Josh Allen levels of accuracy, but I think he could be competent. My one big concern, and I'd be keen to hear Kenny's thoughts on this, is that you, we talked about him being, you know, a, a, a built like a tank and, and able to take a beating. But I think I probably only saw him slide two or three times in his entire career. Do you think that's going to be an issue at the next level? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think, well, I think it'd be interesting to see. I think I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, to me, the fit for him team-wise, is, is possibly Pittsburgh at the moment, that if he does get down to them, um, which a lot of the hype at the moment seems unlikely, the fact that they've got a starter in place, I think, you know, that would be the spot for him. Uh, I think he would do very well to watch some Lamar tape. And if the, the key thing, I know Lamar got hurt at the end of last year, but it was actually in the pocket. And the key thing, if you watch him, is he's brilliant at making sure that when he's getting hit, he's getting hit in the air. And while at times it looks like he's getting hit spectacularly hardly, it avoids a lot of those lower leg injuries. You know, most of the tears and things like that happen is when you've got your feet planted on the ground. So I think if he was to to maybe look at that and bring in that element into his game, I think that would help him. But he is a very different runner to Lamar. I mean, he isn't a Lamar or a Michael Vick kind of slashing runner. He is much more of a you know, so especially once he gets through that first level, he's he's more likely to try and put his head down and try and run somebody over, I think, at times than than be able to maybe duke sideways and get past them. Um, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think he's, to me, he's the number one guy in this just because I think he has, especially in a bad QB draft, I think there's no safe pick as such. Not that you ever particularly do with QBs, but... I think he's the one that stands out to me as he has the highest upside. So I think if I was in a, especially a super flex league, I think he's the one that I'd be willing to take a chance on more than maybe some of the others. Yeah. I, th- I think if I've got the one Oh one in a super flex league, if, if I'm a, what I'd call a natural one Oh one in that I've earned the one Oh one because my team's pretty terrible. Yeah. Realistically, you're not competing next year and, in that situation, I'm taking the the highest upside. And whilst I think that Brees Hall is an incredible um, prospect, and you hear us talk about that more next week, I think you've got to you know swing for the fences. And and to me, that's absolutely Malik Willis. Um, and I think that yeah, if if you're a you know perhaps a ready-made contender that you feel maybe one player away, and you've traded your way into the 101 then yeah I can absolutely take get taking the perhaps safer pick of a Brees Hall or you know perhaps one of the, the wide receivers that we'll discuss in a couple of weeks but for me I think the potential is absolutely dreamy and if you're one of those guys that last year this time were hyping up Trey Lance or perhaps perhaps took Trey Lance at, at the beginning you know 101 102 I really think Malik Willis I think his floor is six in this in the NFL draft um, come the end of April, I really do. I think the more the hype goes, the more I wonder if a team is going to trade up into the top four to go and get him. So speaking of landing spot, Rich, where would you want to see him go? Because I'm having a look at the current picks. You've got um, the Giants at five that could take a, a shot, a, a non-starting quarterback for year one. You've also think, got the Texans who could be in the same situation. You've got the Panthers at six that you mentioned at six. Um, or you've also got guys like the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, that might look at trading up with their current QB situation. I think for me, there's two landing spots that I'd be incredibly happy with. Um, I think Kenny mentioned, obviously, Pittsburgh. I think, um, look, the, yes, they've gone and signed Mitch Trubisky. But if you look at the money, they've signed Mitch Trubisky to back up money. 
I don't think that Mitch Trubisky is their answer for the next two years. I think they're absolutely going to be adding someone. Um, they're not a team like Atlanta that can say, we'll wait till next year and and get one of the 2023 quarterbacks because they're not going to be bad enough to be picking at the top of that draft next year. So I think that if Pittsburgh fall in love with Malik Willis, I wouldn't be shocked to see them move up. You know, maybe someone like the Jets, I could see looking to move back from four. Um, I could definitely see the Lions or the Texans looking to move back from two or three. Um, that could be a, a natural move. It's n- not something traditionally you think of Pittsburgh doing, being aggressive and moving up in the draft. But I do wonder if that could be the move or if he does somehow manage to fall to nine and end up in Seattle with, um, you know, those those two weapons in terms of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, I could I, I can already picture him throwing deep balls to those two guys um, all day. It would be um, certainly something fun to watch. Yeah, I think I think. Uh, sorry, just to come in on what Richard was saying there. I mean, I think Seattle seems a natural fit to me, and and like I said, I like the Pittsburgh fit. I think the one thing that keeps Pittsburgh in the game is that I think this year. Um, one, I think a lot of people are lower on the QBs than in previous years. And I think you can see that by the amount of free agent and trade action that's been going on with QBs, that um, teams are taking more chances there. But also, I think with the nature of this draft, that seems to be slightly low on top end talent. But because of the last couple of years, we've got a lot more players in it than we would normally have. I think teams will be possibly cheaper to to trade up I think I think teams will be more willing to come back because the drop-off from elite talent isn't quite so high so I I really do think you could see Pittsburgh moving up which as Rich said is not a a move that they traditionally make. So let's move on to the next person on our list Um, coming straight to you Kenny who's currently got a DLF ADP of the rookie quarterback two Um, I can see here that you you and Rich both have him as your quarterback too in this class. That's Matt Corral. Um, what what can you tell us about Matt Corral? And do you see a landing spot that is preferable over any any others? Yeah, I, I I found him a really hard evaluation. I likened him almost to be like um, it was like trying to buy a car on spec. Like you could see the picture of it, but you couldn't actually go and give it a test drive and really have a look around because you, you, there's the offense that he played in had some real limits. And I think that means that you're having to imagine quite a lot what you could see. But he's got real shifty mobility. The ball is out so quickly. I think that's his number one trait that impressed me was it was really quick out. He's got what I would describe as zippy arm strength that it, it really does fly out without, you know, a lot of wind up. Um, and he's able to so he's able to generate a lot of power when he steps up in the pocket. Um, I mean, he's brilliant on the RPO throws, especially on those seams into the slot. So, you know, there was some real strength there. But again, question size, I think. I think he's slightly taller than Malik Willis, but he's he's frame. He looks quite slight, and I know there's been some injury concerns in college. Um, I think he's got a good arm, but he seems to put a lot of um, body into his throws uh, to generate power, um, which I know has kind of been a bit of an issue with Baker Mayfield that people have picked up is that, you know, if he's off platform or in muddy pocket, it can sometimes lead to him sailing the ball a little bit. Um, and then the other thing is just the offense that he's playing in. And it's not really a knock on him. It's more just a question of, you know, I, I saw a stat that he'd had more RPO throws than any co- other college quarterback at any level. And he had the f- fewest amount of, you know, traditional dropbacks. So, you know, like I say, you're having to sort of imagine, project what he could look like. I mean, my, my comparison, I, I got a lot of sort of Zach Wilson um images when I was watching him, um, which I'm still a Zach Wilson believer. I mean, I know that he didn't have the greatest rookie year, but I think I think the talents are and I think he'll come good. So I, I kind of see some of that. And a little bit, again, I, I said about Baker and I kind of see a little bit of two in there as well. So not necessarily the greatest level of comparisons, but I, I, I think he's an interesting prospect personally. I don't know what Rich thinks. Yeah, I, I think... It's interesting you mentioned Tua there because basically whilst I was watching him, all, all I could see was Tua, to be honest. Yeah. It was it was just to me a, a right-handed Tua. I think that 
the pocket mobility and, and I think the overall athleticism is in a similar tier um, in that they're above average athletes. And I think that they, they utilize their mobility, but I don't think they're ever going to be a kind of dual threat quarterback that that's breaking defenses apart with that mobility. I think the over-reliance on the RPO was, was obviously a very um, kind of common trait with, with Tua. But I think that, lightning quick release and combined with the lack of arm strength just just every time I watched it just rang of Tua and I think that Mackerel for me is one of those guys that I know I can watch and I think he's going to be an okay NFL quarterback and I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than that and I think that he's always going to be good enough to have a starting job but I don't think he's ever going to be elite and I don't think he's ever going to put up those incredible numbers that he's going to be a fantasy stud. So I think that that's why he's my 102 because I think he's, for me, the, the guy that I'm most confident about having a prolonged career in the NFL. You know, if he's a 10, 15-year starter, you know, has his team in and around the playoffs every year but but never really going to gonna break it, kind of like a a Kirk Cousins style career trajectory. That's kind of where I think he's, he's going to be as an NFL quarterback. So as a dynasty asset, I think he's fantastic as a, you know, a QB three type. Um, but I, I just don't see the upside. I don't think he's got the athleticism. I don't think he's got the elite arm talent that he's ever going to be anything more than just kind of meh. All right. Um, I think that, if he can land in a situation similar to to what two has in Miami, where they can build an offense just like they did at Ole Miss around that that RPO game, that quick release, you know, maybe he's the ideal fit with with Pittsburgh in a similar offense that they were running in the last two years with Big Ben, where you've got some great receiving weapons and and just get the ball out of his hand quick. I can completely see him, you know, running that that type of offense. Um, but I just don't know if it's ever going to produce elite fancy production. So, speak like it, we've just spoken about landing spots for Malik Willis. Um, looking through a couple of mock drafts while you were talking, I can see Matt Carras been mocked anywhere between the eighth pick um, and all the way down to like the thirty-second pick. Do you, is there a certain landing spot that you're looking to? see and if he uh, I suppose the other question Rich is if he falls out of the first round does that really negatively affect your rank on him yeah definitely I think if he's not a first round NFL quarterback there's no way I'm touching him until probably the late second in a super flex draft um, as much as he's my QB too if he's not going to be a first round NFL pick then I'm probably just not touching him because he's not you know, someone like a Jalen Hurts, where if he gets a chance, he's immediately fancy relevant because he's got that rushing upside. You know, second and third round picks don't tend to turn into anything from a fantasy production standpoint. So yeah, if he if he falls out the first round, I'm I'm not touching him from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I I don't know if he'll I, I don't think he'll fall out the first round. I think I think someone will if he if he gets into the twenties, I think someone will come up and take him because I think he's quite a good fit in the sort of um, Shanahan McVay offense that's sort of coming around at the moment that you know everyone seems to want to run at the moment. So I think I think there'll be some places where where he could go. Um, the Lions, I think, would be a very interesting spot for him to go. I think because I think they're enough of a blank canvas that I think you could build things around him to to support the the weaknesses. I mean, the hardest thing I think with him is that. It's not that there's bad tape out there. It's that there's no tape of there of him doing certain things, and that makes him a tough evaluation, I think, because it, it, the offense that he ran at Ole Miss was, you know, it was so RPO heavy that it just you. It's not oh he, he can't do this, he can't do that. It's just I don't know. I don't know what he can do in certain situations because he never got the chance. I'm seeing a lot of. Um... Matt Corral to Tennessee at 26. If he does go there, 
what what are you guys thinking about it? I'll come to you, Rich, first. I just I I don't get that move. I think I'd need to check the Ryan Tannehill contract. I think um, I'm not wanting to just barrage people doing mock drafts, but I'd be shocked if he's going to sit. Why would you draft the quarterback at 26 when you're going to probably have to sit him for two years because of the way Tannehill's contract structured? Um, before he gets a chance to play, and yes, before people start shouting, the Packers did that with Jordan Love. I mean, look how that's turned out. Um, yeah, just looking, just looking at his contract, Tannehill's—he's not going anywhere this year. He's got a fifty-seven million dollar dead cap hit, um, and next year he's at—they'd save eighteen million by moving on from him. So, I guess there's chance that they could draft him, and he's the starter next year. But I'd be shocked if he if he falls that far. I think he's probably going to be in that teen range um, come NFL Draft Sunday? I'll tell you what, I think that pick to the Titans would be a great pick for Corral, but I don't think Tennessee would it'd be a great pick for Tennessee because they're, you know, the, you look at Derek Henry and, and think about the wear and tear that's going on there. You've got Tannehill as well. They're, they're obviously, I think, on a much quicker winning um, or a shorter winning window, aren't they, um, than taking a QB in the first round. But I think if he ended up there, I think they would be able to build it around him. So, yeah. So the next QB on our list is Kenny Pickett coming out of Pittsburgh. There's been a lot and lot of talk since the combine about Kenny Pickett, his hand size. Yeah, and taking the, the listeners behind the curtain as of recording on the 22nd of March. Uh, he had his pro day, I believe it was yesterday, um, where his hand magically grew an eighth of an inch, and that is now a, a massive story, apparently. Um, so, other than his small hands, Kenny, what can you tell me about Kenny Pickett? I tell you what, he, it's I've, I've been sort of racking my brain trying to think, like for a pro comp for him, and. Um, and yeah, and, and sort of an analogy about him. And, and the only thing that I could come up with is he's like the beautiful woman at the bar who's got an ex, ex-husband who's in prison and £20,000 worth of credit card debt. That's the only thing I could think in that if you watch his game film, he's he's got the best tape by a mile. Like he he shows good arm strength. He's got good accuracy. He processes what in what is the most pro looking of all the offences of these um, top five prospects. He made a wide range of throws. He's got decent pocket awareness. He's got solid mechanics and footwork and good mobility. Although I'll tell you what, if he, I, I would love to see him try that fake slide in the NFL because I don't think he'll try it twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, like I said, the problem is, is that the questions on him are like sort of almost like stone cold killers you know the hand size you know you look at we we joke about the combine and we laugh about the combine and you know i never think of the combine as a, a ceiling raiser i always think it as a floor setter and i think you know the hand size thing it you know once you get to nine inches i don't think it makes a massive difference but i think that is a legitimate threshold because you look at the players underneath that have made it it's basically michael vick and no one else and i mean Michael Vick obviously had a fair few other traits that could kind of make up for that. Um, I th- so I think the hand side is, is a real legitimate concern, personally. Um, I think uh, the age, which I'm sure which will be waiting to <laughs> talk about, so I'll leave him to go into detail on that. And uh, the other thing for me is sort of a little bit of a, um, a lack of a real elite trait, if that makes sense. Like, I quite like young QBs to have one thing that they can you know either mobility or arm strength or supreme accuracy and I kind of feel like he's good in most areas but I didn't see something where it was you know like Malik Willis obviously has arm strength that is a real wow whereas I I didn't necessarily see that so I, I always think that is a little bit of a question mark for me because I think when things get tough it's useful to have that thing that you can always fall back on so I think he's an interesting evaluation but um yeah I'll I'll, I'll hand over to Rich who I'm sure is wanting to talk about breakout age yeah uh, let's 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 start at the top I, I can't get on board with Kenny Pickett um I I see some of the things that Kenny's talking about and I see yes he, he looked good this last year but 
when you're like three years older than everybody else you're playing with, you know, yes, you you, you should look better. The guy's almost 24, okay? He's the same age as Tua. He's a year younger to the day than Sam Darnold. And we're talking about Sam Darnold's NFL career could be over. And he's going into the fifth year of his NFL career. Yes, Joe Burrow was six months younger than Kenny Pickett is now when Joe Burrow came out. The difference is, is that Joe Burrow didn't spend four years in the same offense, building, getting better. Joe Burrow had to move and therefore didn't declare because he had to change universities. Kenny Pickett has had four years starting in the same offense and was basically a nothing until this last year. Nobody thought of him as an NFL, you know, day one pick, probably not even a day two pick until this last year. And it's like, yeah, suddenly he's he's showing good when he's in his fourth year in, what was it, sixth year in the system, but fourth year of starting. He's so much older. You know, it's men, men amongst boys, but not in a good way. I think for me, I don't get him, the hype around him coming in. I think... The small hands does concern me. I know, you know, as Kenny said, we joke about it, but but that's a real thing. The fact that he's having to throw in gloves. What what happens when it rains? Like, you know, yes, the glove technology is fantastic and supreme, but let's not joke about this. When it rains, when it's cold, it's it's difficult to grip a ball with wet gloves. It's a lot of times where you'll see wide receivers take the gloves off when it rains. What happens as a quarterback if you're trying to throw with wet gloves? That's going to be a real issue. I've got concerns about his overall arm strength. I think he doesn't offer anything on on the ground. And I just think that he's being hyped because of basically one great year where he was older than everybody. And I, I just don't get it. And I think that from a fantasy perspective, as Kenny said, he doesn't have a superpower. What What is he going to be able to hang his hat on in the NFL game? And I think that, for me, I don't get why you'd look at someone like Matt Corral, who is a similar kind of level quarterback in terms of, I think they're both good at most things without anything elite. Yet, you've got kind of a year and a half of extra development from Matt Corral. Whereas Kenny Pickett is, you know, without wanting to bang on about age, is that much older. And I and I hate to keep saying this, but it is a real concern that he's only been able to produce in this final year. So, um, so in this, sorry, I was just going to add sorry, the, 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 um, the other thing that's worth adding is that he's looked great in this final year. I can't remember who it was, um, but somebody's gone through and looked and done an analysis of the schedule and he didn't have a single cold weather game. Um, there you go. This year, I believe. So, you know, that also is a factor. And again, comes back to hand size and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he, he, I can see why some people like him because the tape is is definitely the best of the, you know, you put it in and and, and you can see that it's it's the most polished and the best of all the, all the five prospects. But I think there's all these other warning signs around him. I find it hilarious that people are um, suggesting that he's going to get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, if they draft him in a cold weather city that plays outside in that stadium that is always windy, like, that's just going to be horrific because I, I, I have, as I said, I have concerns about that arm strength. I have concerns about his ability to grip the ball when it's wet and windy, and I, I just think that's going to be awful. And, yeah, I for me... I'm I'm basically I don't even know where I've got Kenny Pickett in terms of my kind of overall Superflex ranks. Um, so I've got him; he's my 14th overall in a Superflex tight end premium. So I wouldn't take him till the early second round. So I'm basically saying that I'm, I'm probably going to end up with no Kenny Pickett because I think people are going to overdraft him. Um, he's he's my QB four overall. So switching that landing spot up, Rich, if he went to somewhere with a dome. Um, what what would your take be then? I mean, it would be better, you know, if he went to Carolina where it's, you know, warm weather, um, playing in the South, you know, there's quite a few dome stadiums in terms of Atlanta and Orleans that they play once a year. And, you know, yes, if, if you can say you're going to have your eight road game, your eight home games, 
Tampa, New Orleans, Atlanta. That's that's eleven decent weather games you're guaranteed each year. Yeah, I'd I'd be okay, but I still don't think he's going to be good for a fantasy perspective. I don't think he's got. You know, for my fancy quarterbacks, I want either mobility or elite arm strength because those are the two key areas where you produce fancy points on deep shots and moving the ball with your feet. And I don't think Kenny Pickett takes either of those boxes for me. So let's move on to uh, fourth uh, quarterback here on the list. We've got Desmond Ridder. Um, now, he's... Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but he's the fastest out of these five that we're going to be speaking about um, in terms of 40-yard dash that we know about because Malik Willis didn't run. Um, he ran a four, five, six, or something along those lines. Um, so does that come into your evaluation, Kenny, or are you looking at a whole lot more than just that uh, 40 times because I know a lot of people are going to see that 40 time and think okay he's fast he's going to be good for fantasy at least yeah I, I really like this guy I mean I, I, I he's probably the one that I think I will probably be higher on than other people um, and I don't think his ceiling is that far away from Malik Willis but he again as everyone every prospect it feels like this year has, has um, some real red flags but I think he showed good arm strength. Um, he throws a really nice deep ball. I love all the reports of his character. Like, it feels like it's the setup for, you know, we see it all the time, don't we, these guys who no one believed in me and I did this and I did that. And I don't know if you guys have heard the stories about him researching his opponents for trash talking once he gets on the field. That I'll take that so guy. That I'll take that so guy happy. every time. Yeah. Um, and I thought he got the best out of the talent around him. You know, he's playing at Cincinnati. He's not playing at Alabama. He's not playing at Georgia. You know, he's, he's, and yet he's managed to get them into the college football playoff. I mean, that is a hell of an achievement because, you know, that, that is really overperforming. Um, to me, I think he's got, obviously, I think the accuracy is a concern. And I think he's got a slightly long throw in motion. Um, so, I think, again, this seems to be the, the topic of the day, which I think speaks a lot about the whole class overall. He, he needs to go somewhere where I don't think he's expected to start early doors. Um, and I also don't, I think that they need to have someone working in the building with him that can improve his mechanics and, you know, his throwing motion. Um, but I really like him. I mean, he lacks a bit of pocket awareness and I think he took some bad sacks, especially in that Alabama game. Um, but overall, I really like him. I mean, I watched him and this is definitely showing my age, but I got some real vibes of um, Aaron Brooks, who, Liam, you're probably way too young to even remember or have heard of him. But he was, the, uh, he was a QB for the Saints back in the early 2000s. And I think he was one of those guys who... Um, you know, in the early 2000s, a lot of QBs that came out that maybe had a slightly different skill set were told, you know, no, we're going to line up in the I formation and we're going to pound it on first and second down. And then on third down, we're going to expect you to throw a 15 yard out kind of thing. Um, I, I could see, I, 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 I like Desmond Ritter. I like him as a prospect and, and, and I think I will be higher on him than a lot of other people. So... Um, just to correct myself, it was a four-five-two, not a four-five-six. Um, let's let's stick to the important question, Liam. Do you know who Aaron Brooks is? <laughs> I don't. No. Um, Am I right, Kenny, in saying he was? Um, isn't he like Michael Vick's cousin or something? He was Michael Vick's cousin, and he was. I think he was. Uh, this I'll need to check, but I'm pretty sure he was the first. He was either the first Saints QB to win a playoff game, or he was the first Saints QB to win a road playoff game, and. Uh, yeah, he, he he came in. He was drafted by the Packers, I think, in the sixth round. Um, and there's quite an interesting history. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> in all your illnesses, there's quite an interesting history of Ron Wolf had of, you know, he had Brunel and Brooks and um, Matt Hasselbeck, who drafted late, kept on for a few years, and then would trade them away for quite a high pick. And all of them turned out, you know, to have good careers. So he did well at the Saints, and then he went to the Raiders, and this was sort of at the start of the Raiders' disastrous phase. And I think he just got beat up and then was out of the league. But there's a couple of years there where he was a really good player, I remember thinking. So, yeah, I, I, I like I like Desmond Ritter. Yeah, for me, I 
every time I watch Desmond Ridder, every time I read anything about Desmond Ridder, I want to love him. I want to rank him really high. He ticks every box that I want. He's got that really strong arm. He's got that mobility. I think he could be fantastic. I, I just don't know if the NFL are going to give him the opportunity. I think if, if he is a day one pick, he will likely probably be my QB2 in this class because I think he's got that elite upside. At the moment, he's my QB5 because I think he's going to be a day two pick. And I think that he's probably never going to get that opportunity to be a, a, a bona fide starter. And I think that if he can just get that that day one draft capital, you know, could it be a Detroit with pick 32 that, you know, come back up, get Desmond Ridder with the fifth year, fifth year option. He can sit for most of the year behind Jared Goff, get an offense built around him that's going to have an elite offensive line and hopefully have some, you know, some potential weapons. I, I, I really love what Desmond Ridder could be but I just don't know if he's going to get that chance. And that's my real concern is I think that, as Kenny said, this is a guy that took Cincinnati to the college football playoffs. Everything you hear about him is that he is an incredible teammate, an incredible leader, and he's got some fantastic physical tools. Um, I I have concerns about his accuracy. I think that is a real problem. Um, more, I have more concerns about, I think, his accuracy than I do Malik Willis's. Um but I, I I do think the elite upside is there. It's just a case of whether he gets the opportunity to uh, to potentially start. So, where where are you saying is the perfect landing spot there, Rich, for him? I think look, we we can you know for him you can say anywhere. I think it, it's basically the same as Malik Willis. I think anywhere where he can go that he doesn't have to start straight away, if that's Pittsburgh, if that's Detroit, if that's Seattle. Um, I think anywhere that's going to be a forward-thinking offensive coordinator, head coach, that will allow him to sit, work on a couple of those tweaks that Kenny talked about, see if they can quicken up that release, see if they can you know, improve his pocket, pocket presence and then allow him to kind of grow and, and be a playmaker essentially at the, at the next level um i'd be really excited but i do think that for me as a fancy asset he needs that day one capital because i think if he doesn't get it i worry that he'd just end up quite frankly just just sitting and, and being a career backup yeah so, I, I think how about this rich for a and liam for a, a sneaky a sneaky place that i haven't had rumored anywhere but what about if he ended up on the raiders and he was like seen as the QB of the future there with Josh McDaniels and the, and how he'd be able to build the offense around him. I, I, I mean, I'd, I think that'd be great. But... I'd absolutely love that. I'm not sure having just traded for Devontae Adams and given him a five-year contract that he'd be particularly happy if he then traded uh, or let his, his college quarterback walk out the door. But um, yeah. yeah, I think in terms of offensive mind, in terms of, weapons in terms of somebody to sit behind for a year because obviously Carl's contract's up at the end of the year I, I think that'd be a fantastic spot I mean I think I think that's the the thing that we can learn from last year and that you know we had prospects coming out in Lawrence and um and uh Zach Wilson and Trey Lance that were you know sort of generational prospects and the first two ended up in situations obviously you know, the Jets were quite talent sort of bare, weren't they? But I mean, you saw what happened with the Jaguars. I mean, Tra- Trevor Lawrence was seen as the best prospect since and- um, Andrew Luck. And because he wasn't coached, because he was put in a terrible position, he looked really bad at times last year. And I think that's what we're seeing is that these guys, none of these guys are going to be able to overcome bad systems and bad bad teaching. So I think that is going to be, I think... We've got our rankings here, but I could see them all shuffling around um, come after the draft, depending on where they all go. So I think I think that's something to bear in mind as well. So, Rich, coming back to you on, on that point, Desmond Ridder, if he goes in the first round, you, you said that he was going to move up. If he goes in the second, where are you keeping, are you keeping him at uh, your rank of five in this class? <laughs> 
I think to to be honest, quarterback is the position I struggle most to rank pre-draft because it's the only position that I take landing spot into consideration because I think landing spot is so key for quarterbacks and it's draft capital is everything. Like the difference between being a top 10, top 15 pick to being a, you know, a in the 35 to 40 range is everything. Like you've just got to go and look at the history of players drafted top 15 compared to the players drafted in the early second. It's it's worlds apart. So if you're telling me that Desmond Ridder is a, you know, goes 15th overall or Desmond Ridder goes, you know, 40th overall, that's such a difference in terms of where I'm taking them in a draft. You know, Desmond Ridder top 15 pick in a good landing spot, he's probably going to be a top six pick in a super flex draft, rookie draft. Desmond Ridder, 40th overall, I'm probably not taking till the mid to late second round. Like, and, and that's why it's, I enjoyed this show talking about the quarterback positions and breaking down the prospects, but it's, it's a real nightmare position to try and rank because you know, that, that draft capital and landing spot is so important for quarterbacks, more so than any other position, quite frankly. It gets you two type chances, doesn't it? If you're in the top 15, you know that even if you, you bomb out in your first location, it's very rare that you don't get another team that picks you up and gives you a chance. Now, it might not work out, but you know that you're going to get multiple chances. But if you're a second-round pick, sometimes you don't even get a chance. You know, late first, look at what's happening with Jordan Love. I mean... I feel really bad for the guy because there's a, there's a chance that he, you know, he never really gets a fair crack at being an NFL quarterback. So I, I think Rich is spot on there with, you know, that if he's a high pick and it will require a team, I think, to absolutely fall in love with him to take him that high because nobody else seems to be mentioning that high. But once he gets into the second round, it, it will, it will uh, mean that his leash is a lot shorter. So... Let's move on to the last quarterback we've got on our list today. That would be Sam Howell. Um, currently, DLF have him as an ADP of four in this class, uh, as a, a, a as a QB class, that is. Um, I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts having him going to the Lions at pick 32. Um, Kenny, come straight to you. What do you think Sam Howell's perfect landing spot is? And what do you see for him in fantasy, regardless of the landing spot? Do you know what, Liam? I, I'm probably not the right person to come for this because <laughs> I, I did not see, like, I went to watch it. I mean, going into the season, he was the guy, wasn't he? He was the one that was being talked about. And and I really, I, I put on the tape and I really struggled to see any NFL, you know, to me, he's a, a late day two pick. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to to sort of um, see a place from the only place I can think is that he ends up with one of these QB, you know, whisperer type that you sort of think, you know, maybe maybe the Rams take him somewhere late and he can sit for a couple of years because, granted, he he lost most of his good skill position players last season and the tape from 2020 was a lot better, but and he had a bad offensive line, but I thought he. And he's he throws a nice deep ball, um, and he's got some arm strength and mobility. But his throwing motion is a real concern to me. I mean, it's it's long, it's looping. He pulls the ball right back from behind his head and and um, comes over the top. And I think you know QBs with that tend to give up a lot of fumbles um, and have accuracy issues. His footwork was bad. I think the height is a concern and lack of pocket awareness. So. I don't know where where Rich can see it, but like I said, I, I would. It, to me, he's a he was a distant fifth to me, um, and I, I think you know. Hopefully, I'm I'm proved wrong, and hopefully, he goes and and has a really good NFL career. But when I saw the tape, it, he looked like a career backup to me. So so I, I don't know where landing spot, but Rich might be more positive than I was. <laughs> I think I I was impressed with his accuracy, and I don't know if it's that. He was he was only average his accuracy compared to everyone else in this class that felt like their accuracy was poor. Um, so maybe he stood out by being average. But I think that for me, I think he's he's an accurate quarterback, and I think that's probably the you know a trait that transfers really well to the next level. Um, I think that any time 
you're able to start as a true freshman in any of these, you know, big power programs in in one of the the kind of power five, and obviously did that in the ACC. That impresses me, and I think that without wanting to make excuses, basically all of his good weapons leaving last year and going on to being, quite frankly, very good. You know, the two running backs are obviously looking like stars. Um, but I think Diami Brown was, you know, a very, very good college receiver. And I think he'll he'll certainly show out next year. Losing all of that and and expecting you to just carry on as as normal, I think, was a bit harsh. Um, I also think his his mobility is pretty good. I think he, he struggles in the pocket. But I think when he gets out of the pocket, and he certainly showed that this year, I think he's able to create both with his legs, but also extend plays. And I I think that he's going to need someone to really get hold of him. And I do think with him, it's it sounds like we're saying this for everyone in this draft, but he's very dependent on the offense coordinator and head coach that gets hold of him. Because I think that if he goes into a bad situation with a, you know, a non, should we call it a guru quarterback whisperer type he could he could flame out and do it be an absolute nothing um again you know without wanting to repeat what i said again about desmond ridder i think if he falls into that second round maybe even third round then i'm probably not touching him in superflex drafts but if if he can get day one draft capital maybe sit for a year and and rekindle that kind of elite upside from 2020 um i i think that he's got enough arm strength and I think he's got that elite accuracy. That means he, he could be a, a decent player at the next level. So I, I just think he looked to me, he looked like his mechanics were broken. Like the amount of throws where he had no pressure in the pocket, but he was still throwing the ball off his back foot. And like I say, I, I worry about, he's sort of got this long loopy motion where he pulls the ball right back behind his head. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think he, who knows? I mean, he obviously had talent. He went into the season as a, a, a um, you know, he went into the season as, as the highest rated in some ways, and it was him and Spencer Rattler. So, you know, that shows you how much this year has, has shifted. But I, I think at times, I um, I heard Chris Sims give an analysis of him, and I thought it was quite out that he was saying, at times you see his mechanics and you see where the ball ends up and you sort of think, wow, that was that was a really impressive throw because everything in your mechanics there said that the ball should not end up there. So, you know, I, I think if if things like that are happening in, the, in college, it's not going to necessarily get better in the NFL. So, yeah, I just can't see him being a first-round pick. I really can't. But, yeah, who knows? That, who knows? that pocket mobility is a real concern because I think that that's not something that you can – naturally improve and I think he get as you said he get, he gets happy feet as I describe it in the pocket and he sort of you know almost sees ghosts at times and as you said it, it just throws off his balance throws off his his timing everything and and it is questionable but I I just I guess at this point in with this draft with these quarterbacks I'm just punting for upside and I think that he's got that and I think that basically what I'm saying with this class is, is that as far as I see it, it's Malik Willis one. And then at the moment, I'd say Matt Crowell too, but it could be, you know, it could easily be Desmond Ridder too. It could easily be Sam Howe too. It's, it really depends on that landing spot on draft capital because it is such a strange quarterback class. So let's throw a question to you both. I'll come to you, Rich, because you're the one who's basically put it into my brain if they and i very much doubt this is actually going to happen but if they all get first round draft capital i very much doubt it's going to happen but if they do what would your rankings be so depending on obviously landing spot and ability to play immediately and and taking all of that and and kind of throwing out the window i'd go just in terms of potential, I'd probably go Malik Willis one, Desmond Ridder two, Matt Corral three, Sam Howe four, Kenny Pickett five. Because I think that at quarterback in a super flex draft, I'm purely drafting for upside. And I think that to me, Pickett just doesn't have it. Kenny, I'll um, throw that over to you. I would, I would agree with the first three. Um, again, leaving uh, uh, some wiggle room for uh, fit. 
to me, I think I, I agree with Rich about the upside, but I, I, yeah, I, I really struggled with Sam how to see the upside. Whereas I do think it's easy to knock Kenny Pickett, but and, and you know, it's not the most favourable comparison you want. But I could see Kenny Pickett having a, a an Andy Dalton-esque career, which <laughs> you know is not necessarily what you want to do. But it's easy to knock it. But at the same time, you know, there was a large chunk of Andy Dalton's career where he was probably a top what 15, six, 15 to 20 type player, which in a super flex league has some value. Whereas I, I really struggled to see Sam Howe being a successful NFL QB. I hope he proves me wrong. I really hope he goes on and has an amazing career. But but so I, I would be probably put Pickett ahead of Howe personally. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to what you want from a quarterback, you know, in that sort of range where these guys are going to have to go and what you're going to have to spend to acquire them. You know, compare them to two quarterbacks from last year in Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. You know, do you want after a year at the moment, it's looking like Mac Jones is probably going to have a fairly solid, prolonged NFL career. You know, would you be shocked if Mac Jones was a 15 year starter in the NFL? But I don't think Mac Jones is ever going to get higher than probably what QB 16, 17, 18 in terms of his overall rank, because I think he's just a, a solid guy that's you know, going to put up 20 to 30 touchdowns a year and throw 4,000 yards, but never going to light the world alight. Or you've got Zach Wilson who, you know, there's a 25% chance that Zach Wilson's not the Jets quarterback at the end of next year. There's probably a 50% chance that Zach Wilson's not the Jets quarterback in three years time, but there's a 25% chance that Zach Wilson puts it all together and is a league winner from a fantasy perspective he has that elite arm strength, that elite ability and has that potential superpower to be an absolute star. And for me, I'm always going to take that risk and punt for on someone like a Zach Wilson than I will a Mac Jones. And that's where I would always go, you know, Malik Willis, Desmond Ridder, potentially Sam Howe over a Kenny Pickett. Rich, two, two quick things there. One, it's the Jets, so 25% superstar. That That is very, you know, ambitious. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the other thing I was going to say, I mean, I think maybe we're, we're an hour in and, and we've got it and this could be a much longer conversation, but I think it they depend as well, don't they, and, uh, along the makeup. I think you've got to have in mind you're building your QB roster that you do want some guys in there that are punts, but you probably do want one or two reliable guys, you know, there is a there is a space for a um, like I said the previous guy Andy Dalton has a role. Do you want to be going in with him being one of your two starters in a super flex league in a playoff game? Probably not. But if he's a guy who you need to churn through bye weeks and injuries in the middle of the season, who you're thinking, yeah, he's always going to put up decent solidish numbers. You know, I'm not necessarily talking Andy Dalton the last two years. I'm talking about Andy Dalton when the Bengals were a regular playoff team. They're, that's an asset, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's not something you're going to get really excited about, but, you know, I would imagine most good teams need someone like that on their roster. Yeah, I think we talked about it, Liam, on, was it, remind me, was it on the show with Kev we did, where we were talking about you're looking to balance your QB2 and QB3s, and if you go aggressive and pump for upside with, you know, like a Jalen Hurts as your QB2, then you're probably looking at a Mac Jones as your QB3 to offer you that, slight more stability and then you know the other side if if you've got a uh, you know Kirk Cousins as your QB2 are you then looking for you know Zach Wilson as your QB3 because you, you need that upside as such you, you tested me on which show that was now it was like that <laughs> one of the mock draft one um, they all roll into one at the moment but yeah it, I, I do think you've got to balance the, the, the QBs out um, but when it comes to drafting quarterbacks last year i wasn't going for upside i was going for a bit more safe because last year i could see all of the quarterbacks having very similar upside apart from mac jones and then of course mac jones was the one that did the best in year one um but this year with the, the crop that we've got I do think that shooting for upside is probably the best way forward um, just because there isn't that certified this guy is most likely going to be the better quarterback out of this class. Um, 
but it's it's definitely going to be interesting when we come to rookie season, uh, rookie draft season after the NFL draft, and to see where these guys go because especially if you're like me and a lot of others that are on the the dynasty or in the dynasty community that have rookie drafts basically hours or a few days after the NFL draft. Um, I know that a lot of people don't tend to adjust that quickly or go the opposite way and adjust way too much to landing spot. Um, So maybe you see a little bit of that depending on landing spot. Um, You think you could see them, I could see them all drop it in the, in rookie drafts, not not the NFL draft as such. I could see them all dropping and then them all going very quickly. I could see Willis being the 101 and then all of them possibly not even going in the first and then they go in five, four of them going five picks kind of thing. Because I think people won't be like, like, you know, like last year, you know, I think one of the leagues we're enriched in it, I think four the four, the first four quarterbacks all went in the first five picks, I think. You know, it, that where I, I don't see something like that, but I think people will wait and wait and wait. But when one goes, I think they'll all go quite quickly. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that, it could very well be that, or I can, Im- I can almost imagine one of the four outside of Willis getting um, a higher pick or a better landing spot than people were hoping for, um, and them going as the 102. And surprising everyone, maybe someone like a Kenny Pickett that Rich has basically said he doesn't like. Yeah, no, he's he's staked his reputation on that, hasn't he? <laughs> he's, you know... It's unlike me to be slagging off a you know a random old guy um, when the younger <laughs> options available. Particularly, as I always say, that age is the most overrated aspect of uh, of quarterback play. So yeah. If anyone's playing drinking game to that, they're disappointed that was the first time that came in tonight, Rich. Well, absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, leave it till the end. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that if we if they're playing a drinking game, I'm surprised that if they haven't got um, the centre of their bingo card as Liam hates tight end premium. Um, I'm surprised that wouldn't be the middle one be quite impressive to get that in on a quarterback show though wouldn't it i mean i just did i had to find a way to get in i find a way every every show um but kenny that is everything we've got for today's show thank you so much for coming on um as i said last season i enjoyed having you on and just listening to the quarterback guru at work telling us all about the um rookie quarterbacks been a pleasure to have you on Thank you for having me on. I'll uh, I'll go away now and start looking at a 2023 tape ready for next year. <laughs> Can't wait to hear all about it next year, mate. But um, for you guys listening, we have a bunch of articles coming out this week. We've already had the Deshaun Watson and the Devontae Adams trade go out this week. Um, so keep an eye out for those on the Five Yard Rush website. And until next week, guys, have a great time and see you later. live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.